Will you and your children stand firm? Ken Ham joins us today right here on the Christian Worldview Radio program where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. With a a growing and aggressive segment of America in full-throated opposition to God and those who follow him, the question has become, how can biblical Christians remain faithful and raise their children to do the same? Ken Ham, the founder and president of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, and the Ark Encounter, is our guest this weekend on the Christian Worldview. He recently released an important book entitled, Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Ken's life and ministry is a model in standing firm on the authority of God's word and the gospel. And he shares personal experiences and biblical principles that have shaped him. We are offering Ken's new book, Will They Stand, as our new featured resource for a donation of any amount to the Christian worldview. We'll tell you more about that in the program today. But let's start by discussing the court case that captured the attention of the country, which was the conviction on all three counts of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin for what the jury decided was the murder of George Floyd last year in 2020 that led to all sorts of racial unrest, looting, burning, violence all over the country. So what are the big takeaways from the trial of Derek Chauvin, which took place right here in Minneapolis with the jury rendering their decision just this past week? I think the number one thing to take away from this trial is that the death of George Floyd had absolutely nothing to do with race. It wasn't a white versus black issue, but this is what it was and is made to be all about is race. The whole pretext for the unrest, the protests, the riots, the burning, the looting, the violence is that the police and the whole system is racist against blacks. But ironically enough, and very tellingly enough, No allegations in the trial, no witnesses, no evidence in the Chauvin background that Derek Chauvin acted with any racial animus against George Floyd, who was black. Otherwise, it would have been brought out in the court case. It would have been an actual hate crime. And yet most media, people on the street, and of course the left, keeps blathering on about this is just the beginning of racial justice, there's much more work to do, and on and on and on. But again, there was nothing about race that even entered one moment of the trial. So the assertion that the police are systemically racist and should be abolished and our society is systemically or thoroughly racist against blacks is just a lie. That's not what this case was about. It was about a police officer using too much force against a man that was handcuffed lying face down on the ground. That's what this was about, whether that was too much force used. So much of this is just blame shifting by both blacks and whites, when the real problem is the disproportionately high crime rate amongst blacks. And that has resulted from the breakdown of the nuclear family amongst the the black community. Something like 70% of children are born out of wedlock. There's fatherless homes, rampant abortion, widespread government dependency. All of those things result in chaos and in violence and crime. And by the way, that doesn't just apply to black people. It applies to any skin color. I don't care if you're white or something else. Until the family structure improves, nothing is going to change. In fact, it's going to get worse because now the black community has been sold a bill of goods that they somehow have immunity. They're victims of this racial and police persecution. So even though they may get more power and position through equity programs, even at reparations, it's not going to change anything. The only thing that's going to change the dynamic in our country is regenerated souls through coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That changes your life. That changes your worldview. That changes your the way you think and the way you behave. And also churches preaching sound doctrine, teaching people the the ways and the doctrines of the Lord. That is where change begins. The second takeaway from this trial was that this was a highly suspect 
trial, the, just the way it was structured with, with the jury basically being under threat. They should have never have held this trial in Hennepin County, uh, which is the Minneapolis uh, metro area. The jury should for sure have been sequestered and kept from uh, outside media and other uh, information during the trial, but they weren't. The jury knew about the city of Minneapolis going into the trial, just awarding the Floyd family a $27 million settlement, basically an admission of wrongdoing by the police. The jury for sure heard what President Biden said about that he was confident that the jury would come to, quote, the correct decision. The jury knew and likely saw the National Guard and the barricades all around the courthouse and all the threats of riots going on. They likely heard the comments of Congresswoman Maxine Waters saying that people need to be more confrontational. They knew about the the other police killing that took place in Brooklyn Center, just north of Minneapolis. So they knew all these things. This kind of highly compromised environment, you can't hold a fair trial on that. This trial should have been moved out of the county, maybe even to another state. The third takeaway is that Derek Chauvin should have been convicted, but I think he was over-convicted. Based on the evidence presented, and I watch much of the closing arguments made by both sides, Derek Chauvin, the police officer, used way too much force. Uh, George Floyd was a handcuffed man. He was prone on his stomach on the pavement. Uh, Chauvin had his knee on the, on the back of his neck. Floyd was no threat at that point. We don't know why Chauvin stayed on top of him for so long. Who knows whether he was overtaxed after this long interaction with George Floyd, whether it's the bystanders yelling at him or what it was, why he stayed on him when he had he was handcuffed on the ground. But we do know that the long interaction led up to this, that Floyd was acting in a very unhinged manner. He resisted getting into the police car. He was a very large man. He was suspe- suspected of being on drugs. All that being said, George Floyd didn't have to die that day. He, he was on drugs. He had a fatal dose of drugs, according to some of the witnesses. He had heart problems. But it's still a stretch to say he died of a drug overdose and that the knee in the back of his neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds had nothing to do with his death. I think you could say that the stress of the whole situation, being on drugs, his heart situation, knee in the back of the neck, all of that led to his demise. But as far as the charges go, he was accused of three counts, second degree murder, third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. And he was convicted on all three charges. So what are the differences between those three? I think it's important to understand to to make the, the statement that I did that he should have been convicted, but was over convicted. ABC News had a explanation of the various charges made against him in second degree unintentional murder. They say it's also called felony murder. To prove this count, prosecutors had to show that Chauvin killed Floyd while committing or trying to commit a felony. In this case, third degree assault. They didn't have to prove Chauvin intended to kill Floyd, only that he intended to apply unlawful force that caused bodily harm. Now, I think it's a stretch to say that he intended to apply unlawful force that caused bodily harm. He perhaps did do that, but whether he intended to do that, I didn't see evidence in the case that that was his intention of why he had his knee on the back of his neck. So I think that particular conviction went too far. The next count against him was third-degree murder. ABC News writes about that, describing what that is. For this count, jurors must find Chauvin caused Floyd's death through an action that was, quote, eminently dangerous and carried out with a reckless disregard for and conscious indifference to the loss of life. Now, I think this is certainly possible that he carried this out with reckless disregard for and conscious indifference to the loss of life. That's certainly a possible uh, conviction in this particular case. The third charge, what about second degree manslaughter? Prosecutors had to show that Chauvin caused Floyd's death through culpable negligence that created an unreasonable risk and that he consciously took the chance of causing severe injury or death. 
Now, I think this particular one is quite likely. That's really what he did. He he was culpable negligence in, in policing to have a handcuffed man on his stomach with your knee in the back of his neck for that long. That particular charge, I think, is warranted uh, against Derek Chauvin. So yes to the third count, maybe to the second count, third degree murder. And it's a stretch, the first count, to get second degree unintentional murder. The last thing I'll say from a takeaway from this particular trial is that you can expect more violence and racial division as a result of this, not less. The murder rate in Minneapolis has about doubled uh, since this particular time last year. Violent crime is way up, and this is the same in other cities across the country. And as I watch the trial and the message that it sends and all the other officer-involved shootings and so forth, no matter if it's justified, police are immediately vilified for using deadly force in situations where it's definitely called for. And so you have to ask the question, why would anyone want to be a police officer, especially in a in a black area where no matter what happens, even this past week, a police officer saved a woman, a young girl from being stabbed. He shot uh, the person that was attacking her, uh, was seen as someone who, who didn't do his job, who was who was, you know, here's another example of uh, police murder of a black person. Who would want to be a police officer where you really can't do what you you know you're supposed to do as a police officer and save someone's life? I mean, your city leaders, at least here in Minneapolis, want you defunded. They don't support you. And then you have to get up in the morning, leave your home and your your wife or husband and your children and go off to work and risk your life every day and worry about not going home to your family. I can't imagine who'd want to be a police officer. No one is that altruistic that they're willing to lose their life and family uh, in a situation where no one supports them. So just in summary, this whole situation is going to cause more violence, more division. This movement, Black Lives Matter, it's all of the carnal flesh. The critical race theory, racist worldview will further divide people and it's going to lead to more racism, not less. The solution here is a spiritual one over and above all else. Yes, there can be improvements in policing and and everything else. But ultimately, there is a unbiblical delusion that has captured the minds of so many in this nation that is really tearing it apart, which segues into our conversation with Ken Ham. I spoke to Ken this week about his new book, Will They Stand?, And it's a book about parenting and the issues that are in opposition to a biblical worldview and how we can stand firm in the midst of a culture that's in complete opposition and aggressively against Christians in a biblical worldview. Ken, it's great to have you back on the program. We're really excited about your new book, Will They Stand? And I think what I like most about the book, aside from the fact that you give so many biblical principles throughout the book about parenting and marriage and raising children, education, and all these different things in the book, is that you give such a a personal look into your own life story with your own parents uh, and your own children and grandchildren and your experiences along the way with pictures and so forth. I just really thought that added so much to the book. But I want to start out from the, just the very beginning in the preface, uh, where Avery Foley writes the preface. He's a writer and speaker with Answers in Genesis. He says 94%, he brings up some statistics, 94% of Belgian doctors support afterbirth abortions for babies born with disabilities. Uh, he mentions Pennsylvania district mandates white supremacy lessons for kindergartners. He goes on to drag queen story hour and all these different hot button issues going on in our society. And he says, by the time you read this, those headlines that I just read will be forgotten, replaced by even more startling, more extreme headlines as our Western culture dives deeper into the abyss of depravity. And Ken, as I think about what's taken place in our country uh, over the last year, let's say, with with COVID-19, racial unrest, a a very hotly contested uh, election, uh, lockdowns, uh, churches closed, speech suppression like we've never seen it in this country, uh, complete media bias. Uh, and now the President Biden presidency, the, one of the first things he did was the order for transgenderism. 
Do you sense, and I know you're keenly aware of these kinds of things, you write about it frequently, do you sense an increase in God rejection that really begin to gain momentum or gain acceleration in last year in 2020 has continued into this year. And if you do, why now? When we look at all these issues, and as Avery said in that particular preface, that we're going to see other headlines and we're going to see things even worse, we've got to stand back and say, now, what is really going on here? Because I think a lot of people, what they tend to do is focus on these as all individual problems. But they're not individual problems. They're actually all the same problem. They're different symptoms of the problem. And what we need to do as Christians is to be able to analyze, okay, what is the problem then? And and the problem really comes down to this. The problem comes down to the fact that a battle began in a garden 6,000 years ago. And it was a battle between God's word and man's word. Adam, you obey my word and don't eat the fruit of the tree, uh, whereas the devil came and said, did God really say? In other words, don't believe God's word. And so this battle is really between a worldview built on God's word and a worldview built on man's word. And that's what's important for us to understand. And so when you're looking at the worldview clash we see happening right before our very eyes from what we would expect as Christians, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, who determines truth. And we're seeing a clash with those who are saying that they can do this or that. And and so it goes on. We're seeing an increase in moral relativism because we're seeing an increase in the younger generations who have abandoned the foundation of the word of God. You know, if you go back in history, you know, America has never been a Christian nation. You can't say any nation has been a truly Christian nation, but it's been very Christianized. The whole Western world has been very Christianized. And if you look in America, you know, many of the founding fathers were Christians, but those that weren't, they still had a Judeo-Christian ethic that came out of the Bible. And so therefore, you know, when you looked at the culture as a whole, even if people weren't Christians, they would still think marriage was a man and a woman and abortion was wrong. And there were two genders, male and female. But as you have generations now that have abandoned God's word, and in fact, what's happened through the education system, the media, through uh, universities and so on, generations have been taught there is no God, the Bible's not true, science has disproved the Bible, and 90, 95% of kids from church homes have gone to public schools where this is what they've been taught, because any veneer of Christianity really has been ripped out of the public schools. I mean, for the older generations, there was a veneer of Christianity. You know, the Bible was there in the public schools, and people were allowed to hear about creation and they adopted more of a Christian morality and you could sing Christmas carols and have prayer at assembly or prayer on graduation night or something like that. But that's all gone. And the more we've seen those generations who have been raised up with a foundation that man determines truth, and many of those that went to church have come to our churches and been told, you don't need to believe Genesis, doesn't matter, you can believe what you're taught at school, just trust in Jesus. Well, you can't impose the Christian message on top of people who have the wrong foundation for it. Mm. They'll end up building a new worldview consistent with their foundation. And you can describe it this way, Judges 21, 25, when there's no king, when there's no absolute authority, everyone does what is right in his own eyes. We're looking at a generational change that has occurred. And I believe the church is very much at fault for what has happened, for not raising up generations standing on God's word beginning in Genesis. And that generational change that has occurred, we now have Generation Z as a post-Christian generation and moral relativism permeating the culture. And so now what happens is anything goes except the absolutes of Christianity. It's a, it's that worldview clash of the secular worldview versus a truly Christian worldview. So what we're looking at are the symptoms of a problem. And the problem is we now have younger generations that have been really taught to build their thinking on man's word, not God's word. The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton returns in just a moment. David Wheaton here to tell you about Samaritan Ministries, a biblical solution to health care. The so-called Affordable Care Act led to a nearly doubling of our health insurance premium. And then the provider canceled our plan. What was that about? If you like your plan, you can keep it. Frankly, we never liked our health insurance plan with its high cost and limited choice. We had heard about Christian medical sharing and decided to look into Samaritan Ministries, which is a community of Christians sharing each other's medical bills. If you think that is too good to be true, then I urge you to look into it for yourself. We have been Samaritan members for many years now through several health needs and couldn't be more pleased. You will be too. 
Visit thechristianworldview.org and click on the Samaritan Ministries banner or call 1-877-691-1625. That's 1-877-691-1625 or thechristianworldview.org. Be sure to take advantage of two free resources that will keep you informed and sharpen your worldview. The first is the Christian Worldview Weekly Email, which comes to your inbox each Friday. It contains a preview of the upcoming radio program, along with need-to-read articles, featured resources, special events, and audio of the previous program. The second is the Christian Worldview Annual Print Letter, which is delivered to your mailbox in November. It contains a year-end letter from host David Wheaton and a listing of our store items, including DVDs, books, children's materials, and more. You can sign up for the weekly email and annual print letter by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. Your email and mailing address will never be shared, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Call 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print newsletter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Now, back to today's program with host David Wheaton. Ken Ham with us today on The Christian Worldview, the founder and president of Answers in Genesis. Their website is answersingenesis.org. We're talking about his book, his excellent book, Will They Stand? Brand new book. The subtitle is Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. And uh, we are offering this book as our new current resource offer from the Christian Worldview for a donation of any amount to the ministry. Just get in touch with us the usual ways. Going to our website, thechristianworldview.org. Or our toll-free number is one triple eight six four six twenty two thirty three. This is a three hundred and twelve page hardcover book. It retails for nineteen ninety nine, and for a limited time, we're going offering it to you for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. You mentioned the church in your last answer, Ken, uh, about the church's response to what's going on. What should the response be by the church with regards to meeting these this opposition today, even during the, the COVID lockdown, the racial unrest and so forth. Churches had very different responses. Some decided we were not going to meet in person. Let's comply. Let's go along with it. Just meet online. Let's not be very divisive uh, on these touchy issues. Uh, or some churches, you know, really have jumped in with both feet to the whole racial narrative of systemic racism in this country. I know one of your speakers, Terry Mortensen, uh, recently spoke at a church down in Arkansas, and uh, they were apologizing after he left for, for taking a stand on uh, creationism and sexual issues and so forth and so on. So what should the church's response be? The bottom line is the church, by and large, is a big mess out there, and there's a lot of lukewarm churches. And really what has happened, I think, is that in this particular era, and I keep I keep harping on this, but we've got to look at what happened. In this era, something began to happen in the 1800s, and I would call this era from the 1800s to the present. We are now looking at the logical consequence of what started to happen, and that was in the 1800s. You know, there were atheists who didn't obviously don't believe the Bible and don't believe in God's word, who wanted to explain everything by natural processes. And so they said the fossil record was laid down over millions of years. Now, we've got to understand the idea of millions of years in our modern world came out of naturalism, the religion of atheism. And so then what happened was there were Christian leaders that said, oh, we'll take the millions of years and put in a gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. And so the gap theory, oh, we'll put in the days of creation, the day-age theory. Along comes Darwin. We'll take Darwin and say God used evolution. And the Big Bang, oh, we'll say God used the Big Bang. And right through the churches today in our Christian colleges and Bible colleges are all these different positions on Genesis. Now, why is that relevant? Well, this has been happening, particularly since the 1800s. And much of the church has abandoned teaching Genesis 1 to 11. But Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for marriage, for gender, for why you wear clothes, 
for the gospel. In fact, it's the foundation for every doctrine. It's a foundation for the rest of the Bible. It's a foundation for your whole worldview. And if you think back to Genesis chapter 3, when the devil came to Eve and said, did God really say? The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, beware, the devil's going to use the same method on us as he did on Eve to get us to position of not believing the things of God. What was the method he used? The Genesis 3 attack was to create doubt in regard to the word of God. In other words, there's always going to be an attack on the word of God. And what's happened in this era is that much of the church has succumbed to the attack on Genesis 1 to 11, abandoned that, as most of the kids from church homes have gone to the public schools and taught an atheistic view now because they've ripped the veneer of Christianity out and it's basically just atheism and LGBT worldview and Marxism, critical race theory, all that sort of stuff is forced on them. They come to our churches and a lot of our churches are responded by saying, let's have a lot more music and let's have more entertainment and trust in Jesus and you know touchy-feely stuff. We haven't taken the stand we should have on God's word from the beginning, taught them a truly Christian worldview, equipped them with answers, apologetics to defend the Christian faith. And much of the church has not also been taught to understand there's no neutrality. You know, people have the idea today that, oh, if you're not a Christian, you're neutral. But the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We are depraved uh, as human beings. We are sinful people. And we've got this idea that, oh, if you don't believe in God, you're not religious. I mean, atheists have arbitrarily said, oh, if you believe in God and go to church, that's religion. They don't believe in God. That's not religion. That's not true. Everyone has a worldview. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a religion. And I think in even trying to deal with these issues like abortion and gay marriage and the gender issues and and racism and so on, many Christians have the idea if I bring up the Bible, that means I'm religious and biased. So I'm not going to bring up the Bible. I'm going to try to deal with these another way. Uh, and but the, but the problem is, if you don't stand on God's word as the foundation for your worldview, you've already lost the battle. And and so I believe there's been a great lack of training in our churches to stand on God's word from the beginning, to have a truly Christian worldview, be equipped to defend the Christian faith. And much of the church has resorted to a lot of entertainment and music focused features in their churches. And I, I see that. I've spoken in all 50 states in America, spoken in hundreds of churches, and I see the patterns. And one of the patterns is decrease the teaching of the Word of God, uh, increase music entertainment from the front, but they're not teaching apologetics. They're not teaching foundations. Uh, they're not teaching Christian worldview, which is what we do at Answers in Genesis through the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum, through our curricula and so on. And as a result, we have a, a generations who started to realize, the younger generations, you know, if, if the Bible's not true in Genesis, how can it be true anywhere else? I'm not getting answers to my questions. Can you really trust Christianity? I mean, how can there be a loving God with all the death and suffering in the world? Hasn't science disproved the Bible? And as those generations have then left the church, and church attendance for the younger generations is down to about 11%, whereas for the older generations, you know, those born before 1928, 56% of them went to church. And so down through the ages, we've seen this generational loss from the church. So we have to ask ourselves, how has the church failed in that way? Now, don't get me wrong, there are thousands of churches that use Answers and Genesis material, but they're a minority. And the majority of our churches and the majority of our Christian colleges and seminaries have in a way paved the way for this change that has occurred because they have allowed generations to be captured by the world and tried to add some sort of Christian ideas into their thinking instead of taking a stand on God's word from the beginning to raise them up as we should have, filled with biblical salt to be able to be witnesses for the Lord out there. Ken Ham with us today on The Christian Realview, the author of a brand new excellent book called Will They Stand? We have it available as our new current offer here from The Christian Realview. Ken is the founder and president of Answers in Genesis, a fantastic, biblically-based, God-glorifying, gospel-exalting ministry. AnswersinGenesis.org is their website. He's also the founder and president of the, the popular attractions, the, the Creation Museum, and the Ark Encounter. Ken, you mentioned in your last answer, you talked about critical race theory and how that has not only taken hold just broadly in our society for sure, uh, but it also has taken hold amongst churches, uh, on Christian campuses, and, and in high Christian schools and so forth. Uh, this last week, 
we, we saw here in Minneapolis the, the conviction of Derek Chauvin for his part in the death of George Floyd. This was what started all the racial unrest last summer here in the United States. The students were staging walkouts. There were protests on Christian college campuses against you know, racial injustice. What do you think the impact of critical race theory is, which is based on Marxism, what impact is that having on, we know it's having a big impact on the younger generation, just the secular generation, but how much of an impact is that having on Christian students, whether in high school or college? If the church hasn't laid the right foundation in regard to history, who we are, where we came from, what our problem is, I mean, how can they have uh, a worldview uh, that is one consistent with what we should have as Christians. And, and that's part of the problem because much of the church hasn't taught the history in the Bible as they should have because we haven't taken a stand on that. Then they don't understand how to look at these particular issues. See, from a big picture perspective, you know, who are we? Where we come from? Well, if you take Genesis 1 to 11, take that history, we're descendants of Adam and Eve. If we're all descendants of Adam and Eve, what does that mean? It means there's only one race. There aren't any different races. Uh, and one of the things that's been happening is that we see people talking about the different races and looking particularly with an emphasis on the outside. You know, I'm reminded in 1 Samuel 6 when Samuel came to anoint the king and he looked at one of David's brothers and he looked on the outside. And by looking on the outside, he said, oh, you know, he's, well, you can imagine him saying he's tall, handsome, strong on the football team or something. Well, you know, maybe not back then, right. but you know what I mean. Uh, and he's going to be the king. And remember what, what God said to him, um, that he's not going to be the king because man looks on the outside, but mm-hmm. God looks on the heart. And you see, that's the thing that we need to stand back and understand. What With this whole critical race theory, uh, what has been happening is that, you know, certain people are being classified in a particular way, you know, those that are oppressed and those that the oppressors, uh, so that, you know, if you have if you have dark skin, you're the oppressed. If you have light skin, you're the oppressors. doesn't matter who you are. You're just going to be that way. Uh, and so we see all these sorts of things happening in our culture. And then, by the way, just from an interesting perspective of genetics, there are no black people and there are no white people. We have a pigment called melanin in our skin. Melanin is a brown pigment. We're all shades of brown, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the differences on the outside. I mean, it's incredible when you actually get down to looking at it. The differences genetically uh, that are on the outside are a fraction uh, of our overall genetics. And so that they're really minor differences. We make them major. I mean, differences in nose shape, eye shape, uh, head shape, you know, chin shape uh, or whatever. Uh, you know, th- those differences are no different than differences in skin shade that we have. It's all part of just a little bit of our genetics reflected on the outside. But again, if you haven't been taught the right foundation from God's word, uh, that we're all descendants of Adam and Eve, that means we're all sinners. That means the solution for all of us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of the Tower of Babel, God gave different languages, forming different people groups. And, you know, over time, people have done all sorts of things that are wrong. It doesn't matter who they are. And there's certainly... You know, when, when, when people uh, look at our culture today and they're talking about systemic racism and so on, it's, it's, it's basically um, it's saying that, you know, the, the whole culture is, is bad and it's all got to be changed and rejected. And so on. really what it comes down to is a rebellion against God's word. And, and certainly Christians can be inconsistent just like anybody else. But that's not the point. The point is each one of us needs to answer to God for who we are and what our behavior is. And we need to judge what we believe and say against the word of God. If you think about what God teaches us as Christians, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. By grace, you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. You can't work uh, to save yourself. I mean, we can't pay reparations to God for the great injustice of when we rebelled against him. He's the one that paid it for us. And a lot of what's being taught today with this critical race theory and systemic racism and so on is, is really a works-based um, sort 
sort of salvation in a sense. It's a different gospel. It's an anti-gospel, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, And it's certainly not the gospel that's going to save us. And again, they're trying to treat certain symptoms in certain areas. I'm not saying there hasn't been racism. I'm not saying there isn't racism. Uh, I mean, if there are unjust laws, we need to change them and so on. But you're never going to deal with all these things until man recognizes that we're sinners and that we need to submit before a holy God, repent of our sin, and we need to trust his word. And then if we build our thinking on God's word to find out who we truly, truly are and what God says about how we should approach others and what our behavior should be, I mean, that's the solution. Uh, in other words, the, the answer has always been God's word and the gospel yeah. uh, to see us saved. But, you know, you, many churches will say, well, we've taught that, but you haven't taught it the way we should have. And we haven't taught foundationally starting from Genesis, and we haven't taught them to think correctly and equip them with answers to all these issues. Many churches will still talk about different races and black people and white people because they've compromised with evolutionary ideas. Then they don't stand up and say, listen, we all come from Adam and Eve. We're all one race. Uh, we're all we're all sinners before a holy God. And, and, and even issues of equality. You know, I, I and I talk about this in the book as well. Man and women were created. Cre- man and woman were created differently. Adam was created from dust. Woman from his side, and we're given different roles. We're to submit to each other and the roles God has given us. But we're not equal in roles. We're not equal in in our biology. We're different. We're not equal in the way we were created. We're different. Again, we've got to stop allowing the world to influence our thinking. We've got to start from God's word. Very well said, Ken Ham, with us today on the Christian Worldview. We're talking about his brand new book, Will They Stand? Ken has written 36 books. This is his latest, uh, Parenting Kids to Face the Giants, is the subtitle. It's a 312-page hardcover, retails for $19.99. We're offering it for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. You can get in contact with us the usual way through our website or calling us toll-free at one 646 2233 really enjoyed the book. Okay, that is just the first half of the interview with Ken Ham. We couldn't fit the entire interview in the program today, so we'll play the second half next week. The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton returns in just a moment. I struggled with my identity all the way through my life. Lived eight years as Laura Jensen until I found the Lord Jesus Christ. The issues are unavoidable. They're on the news. The White House in rainbow colors. They're in our legislation. The Texas bathroom bill. In our schools. Drag queen story out. They're even reaching into our churches. Let us be the church together. We're not just talking about issues. We're talking about people. The proceeding is from In His Image, a 103-minute documentary film that biblically and compassionately addresses the issue of transgenderism. You can order the DVD for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. Call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331 or visit thechristianworldview.org. That's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. David Wheaton here, host of The Christian Worldview. For over 15 years, our mission has been to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We pursue that mission on air through radio programs, in person hosting events, and online through audio, video, and print resources. We are an all-volunteer ministry, but have monthly operating expenses, the most significant being the cost of airtime on the station, website, or app on which you hear the radio program. We are looking for monthly partners so that each station or website is supported by its own listeners. The level of financial support for a given outlet is a key decision point whether we continue paying to broadcast there. To become a monthly partner of any amount, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for listening to and supporting The Christian Worldview.
Thanks for joining us on The Christian Worldview. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianworldview.org. Short takes are also available, and be sure to share with others. Now, back to today's program with host David Wheaton. In the remaining time we have today, I wanted to play an interview with Joel Noble, the Director of Public Policy with Samaritan Ministries International. Samaritan Ministries is the really excellent healthcare, Christian healthcare sharing ministry that our family has been a member of for many years. And they are now a sponsor of the Christian Worldview radio program. So I wanted to introduce them to you because what has been just a wonderful experience for our family, we wanted to share with you. I'm sure that some of you will be very interested to hear how Samaritan Ministries can help you as well from a healthcare standpoint. Here's the conversation with Joel Noble, Director of Public Policy from Samaritan Ministries International. How would you explain or maybe simplify what healthcare sharing is uh, to someone who has never heard of it or had knows little about it? So it is a non-insurance approach to caring for medical needs. Uh, so a, a practical example is I have four boys um, each of those boys, all the way from 18 uh, down to six, were born um, as I was a member of Samaritan. And we had a handful of bills, hospital bills, my wife's um, doctor bills, and we submitted those to the ministry. And then they assigned enough uh, people to send to us uh, to take care of those bills. So I got personal checks in the mail. Uh, now, uh, more recently, when we have needs, uh, I get it through PayPal. And I take those funds and I go and pay the provider. But then each month, um, I'm uh, responsible as a member uh, to send to the person I'm assigned to. Mm -hmm. So I either write them a check or send through PayPal uh, directly to that person. And so I know what their medical need is. I know how to be praying for them. And uh, then on the other end, that person has a list of everyone sending uh, to them. So they know uh, where that money is coming from. Samaritan says that they operate exactly how they promise on the front end. How is Samaritan Ministries different than like health insurance? So one of the big key differences is uh, there's no providers and the members are um, completely uh, in control of their health care dollars. And uh, any an example I like to use, uh, going back to my kids, uh, one of them uh, one night uh, crawled into bed and they failed to tell us that earlier in the day uh, they'd broken a light bulb uh, and uh, there was a lot of that glass uh, in his bed. Mm. And so he crawled in there and uh, unfortunately cut his leg open uh, about 1030 at night. So we leave. Uh, in this case, we had to go to the emergency room being the late night. I literally had the choice on our main street to turn left, to go to one hospital or right to the other. Um, I knew one of the hospitals had a dedicated pediatric ER uh, for kids uh, to keep them separate from maybe some of the other uh, needs that may be happening uh, late at night mm -hmm. uh, downtown. And so I chose that one. And I was completely in control, and I was able to make that choice based on what was best for my family. So that is a really a key difference, just the control that the members have over their health care dollars. And on top of that, by cutting out the middleman uh, and directly member to member, it is a lot more affordable. Joel Noble with us today on the Christian Worldview from Samaritan Ministries International. He is their director of public policy. You can find out more about Samaritan by going to our website, thechristianworldview.org, and just click on the Samaritan Ministries banner there. Or we have a dedicated number you can call, one 691 1625 and I will give that number again as we go. So for someone listening, who is Samaritans for? Who isn't it for? So I would say it's for for anybody um, that uh, is a um, Christian. Uh, we are uh, faith-based. There is some faith requirements that the members are going to sign off on. Um, I would say it's possibly not for someone that doesn't want to have control of their own health care. So there is some 
you know, action you have to take as a member. Uh, you're going to be, you know, having to, you know, talk to your doctor, be able to explain, I don't have insurance. You need to bill me directly. And there's some folks that are very ingrained into health insurance and like to be able to just, you know, present a card, walk away, not think anything about it. You know, it's a step of faith for a lot of people, but a lot of people, after they make that step of faith, uh, never want to go back. And that would be me. I've been a member for many years, and uh, I can tell you the I like it that you can select your own doctor. There's no networks. I, I like it that I go and I, I say, I, I don't have medical insurance. Please bill me directly. You get a discount almost all the time when you do yep. that. Uh, you're dealing directly with your health care provider. And then you have some Hareton members writing you notes, praying for you and contributing to the payment of your your medical bills without the health insurance a dynamic of super high premiums and super high deductibles and restrictions on where you can get medical care. Just from a cost standpoint, talk about that, Joel, from a purely a cost standpoint, how much better Samaritan is. For a family of up to uh, a family of seven um, is five hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, for a larger family over seven, it's only five hundred and fifty-five dollars. And so I've been out of the insurance market now for twenty years. But when I left, um, what my option was was uh, about eleven hundred dollars a month, and that was twenty years ago. I imagine now it's you know for my family of of six is probably closer you know to fifteen. Hundred, even you know, two thousand dollars, and so uh, healthcare sharing like Samaritan is a, just a fraction of, of that cost. Mm. And you know, for a lot of folks, they find um, you can almost buy a a uh, reasonable car. Yeah, <laughs> you know, every couple years on what you're saving. Um, and uh, but most people don't need to do that. Uh, but it's definitely a cost savings. What about the issue of? pre-existing condition. Someone out there who's got a pre-existing condition, maybe has had cancer, uh, has had something go on in their medical history. Where do they stand with Samaritan? So we don't shut anybody out based on a pre-existing condition, uh, but enable to keep that monthly share low, we do need to limit how we share uh, pre-existing. And so um, there's some... Uh, conditions like cancer or diabetes to where you need to be symptom or treatment free for a number of years before we can start sharing. Um, most other needs, if you're symptom or treatment free for 12 months, we consider that arrested. We'll be able to share um, that need uh, just like a regular need. Uh, but for the things that are pre-existing that are not shareable, we still do have what we call special prayer need. And our members give above and beyond their monthly mm -hmm. share to those type of needs uh, to help out. And so we have found that, you know, members, again, take that step of faith, come in, even with a pre-existing condition that they know won't be shareable, um, you know, trusting that that they're going to be able to, you know, stop treatment on that or they're going to be symptom free. And then if it ever does come back in the future to be able to share. But even if it does, they find the cost savings, they're able to shift that over to take care of that pre-existing need on their own. And then the things that aren't pre-existing um, are shareable among the members. Yeah. Now, a question like that for specifics, if you want to drill down, just go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, click on the Samaritan Ministries banner on our site, and I'll take you to more information. Or just better yet, we have a, a dedicated number for Christian Worldview listeners to talk to someone from Samaritans. The toll-free number is one 691 16 25. And again, Joel Noble with us today on the Christian Worldview, the Director of Public Policy for Samaritan Ministries International. Let's just talk about the actual experience of when a medical need arises. You mentioned your son who, who got cut. Uh, you chose to go to the hospital of your choice. Uh, you go to the hospital, you, you see the doctor, or you go up to the front desk, you, they ask, sure. let me see your insurance card. You say, I am, I am self-pay, typically, yep. what you say. Yep. And so the bill, there's a discount, the bill sent directly to you. You submit it to Samaritan. So tell us about how it works from there. Like you said, you just present yourself as a cash pay or self-pay patient, and then they're going to send you the bill directly. Those bills start to come in, um, and even before the bills start to come in, you can either you know call 
uh, into the office and uh, they'll mail you what's called a need processing form or you can go through our dashboard which is like the member you know online experience download that form and it's just a uh, one page front and back form where you're going to put your information on there you're going to list out the bills uh, that you've received or going to receive and then how the members can be praying for you and then you'll submit that along with your original itemized bills uh, into the office. They process that, and then you'll start to receive um, shares from the other members in 30 to 60 days. Mm. So the time difference is is just depending on when you receive it, when we receive it in the month. Uh, for example, um, if they were to send in a need today near the end of April, that'll be shared in June. If they were to submit that um, the first part of May, that would be shared in July. So depending on if you submit it at the end of the month or the beginning of the month, that's the difference between that 30 or 60 days. Again, Joel Noble with us today on the Christian Worldview talking about Samaritan Ministries International. What if someone has a very large need, uh, something like a cancer treatment or open heart surgery or a, a transplant, organ transplant? Yeah. Are these larger type of needs shared by fellow Samaritan members? Yeah, they are. So we've seen needs um, well into the hundreds of thousands, um, sometimes even, you know, uh, approaching a million. And the one thing we find with that is, um, given that large need, the providers um, are definitely open uh, to uh, discounting that. Um, Because when you can, you know, explain to them, uh, you know, on a million dollar need, um, you know, will you take, you know, 500,000, will you take 750,000 if I pay within 30 or 60 days? Um, they're definitely going to be open to that because they realize a large need. They want to take, you know, what they can get. And um, so if you're, you know, able to present them with a reasonable amount, they're going to take that. So we find those large needs are often discounted pretty significantly. Uh, But even if they're not, I mean, again, we've shared needs, uh, you know, well into the hundreds of thousands. I think the last time I looked, uh, it was around 750,000 was our largest need. And it's possible um, that, you know, something has eclipsed that since the last time I looked, but I know for sure that uh, we had at least one need that was 750000 and it was shared you know, mm. completely by the members. Well, Joel, thank you so much for coming on the program today and for all the great work you and the rest of Samaritan Ministries International does to provide just a vital, important, and excellent service for its members. We highly recommend listeners go to our website, thechristianworldview.org. Just click on the Samaritan Ministries banner there or give them a call directly with our Christian Worldview dedicated line, one 691 one six two five, and I'll repeat that one more time. Toll free one eight seven seven six nine one one six two five. All right, we covered a wide range of topics today on the Christian worldview, from the conviction of Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd to a very interesting conversation with Ken Ham. He's one of our favorites here on the program. And again, you can get his book as part of our current offer, Will They Stand? Just get in contact with us through our website or call us, one 646 Our address will be given immediately following the program, and that's for a donation of any amount. And then we heard from Samaritan Ministries as well, and you'll be hearing more from them in the coming weeks and months here on the Christian Realview radio program. Just a final note before we close to thank those of you who reach out to us with notes and letters and emails. We get quite a few of them and we feel very badly that we just don't have time to answer all of them. But we do read every single piece of correspondence that comes in. So on behalf of the Christian Worldview, we just want to say thank you for that encouragement. And thank you for listening today. Until next time, as always, remember, Jesus Christ and His Word are the same yesterday and today and forever. So think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program or to sign up for our free weekly email, or to find out what must I do to be saved. 
go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported ministry and furnished by the Overcomer Foundation, a nonprofit organization. You can find out more, order resources, make a donation, become a monthly partner, and contact us by visiting thechristianworldview.org, calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.